How does the amazing story of the Bible finish? Today, we'll wrap up our job through of the Bible as we see God reign as king. Thanks for tuning in to The Bible Brief. Outside of death and resurrection, a key theme that pops out of Bible prophecy is the faithfulness of God to His promises. The fact that God is always good on His promises and will not leave one of them unfulfilled. And this is an important theme, especially as we consider the necessity of faith itself throughout the Bible. Faith is always forward-looking, and it's forward-looking because it's looking toward the fulfillment of promises. Faith looks forward to fulfillment. Think about Abraham's faith that we've spoken about so much on this jog through. That moment of faith where Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness. That faith was an expression of trust in God's fulfillment of his promises to Abraham. And in the context, it was specifically God's promise to Abraham that he would be the father of many, many seed. Abraham believed God was good for his promises, and his faith was counted to him as righteousness. While God made other promises that we've talked about in this show, specifically promises to David in what is called the Davidic Covenant, that covenant with David where God promised David a throne in Jerusalem, a dynasty of seed that would rule from that throne, and an everlasting kingdom that would be ruled by a particular righteous seed forever. So far in the story of the Bible, we haven't actually seen the fulfillment of this promise. There has not yet been an offspring of David that has ruled forever on David's throne in Jerusalem. And yet, we have been introduced to the king who will reign, the Messiah, the king, Jesus. The God-man who came first and made an atonement covering for sin, and who is coming again to be king in Jerusalem. As believers have faith in Jesus, they're not only looking backward at the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, but they are also looking forward to that time when Jesus comes to fulfill the promises to David. That time when the king of the universe reigns specifically on David's throne in Jerusalem. God is good for his promises, and we're awaiting this one to be fulfilled. Now we left off our discussion of the future in the last episode having experienced a few events. First, we saw the rapture of the church, the snatching away of living and dead believers to meet Jesus in the clouds and to go into heaven with him. Next, we saw the tribulation, that seven-year period where the earth experiences calamity and plagues never before experienced by the planet. During this time, we see many more people, especially Jews and Israelites, coming to faith in Jesus. And we also see intense persecution of these believers by the powerful forces of Satan working in the world at that time. Yet, at the end of the seven years, we saw that Jesus comes back to defeat the powers of Satan and to bind him. Now we're going to explore what happens next. Jesus has finally returned to the earth, and with the armies of heaven, he defeats all of Satan's powers. After being patient with his enemies, after giving all opportunity for humans to be saved by faith in Jesus, Jesus finally returns with a vengeance. Satan's armies don't stand a chance. And so Satan is defeated, but not destroyed. In fact, listen to what happens to him. This comes from the book of Revelation, where the writer, John, is witnessing these future events in a vision. Listen to this. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. 
And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit, and shut it and sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer, until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Satan is confined to prison by an angel for a thousand years, during which the earth experiences an age that is unprecedented in blessing, prosperity, and peace. And during this time period, we see not only the Davidic covenant fulfilled, but also the Abrahamic covenant and the new covenant. The culmination of God's promises begins here in what is called the thousand-year millennium, or the Messianic kingdom. Let's just briefly explore the fulfillment of each of these covenants. First, the Abrahamic covenant. Do you remember the three main promises in the Abrahamic covenant? The land, the seed, and the blessing to the world. Well, prior to the Messianic kingdom, we see the seed and blessing components fulfilled. Abraham was the father of nations and had many offspring. And one of those offspring indeed blessed all the nations of the world with the gospel. But never yet have we seen in the Bible the Israelite nation actually come to possess all of the land promised to Abraham. Here, in the Messianic kingdom, we see that finally happen. As Jesus the King reigns over all the territory of Israel, the land, the seed, and the blessing have all come to pass. Next, the New Covenant. Jesus inaugurated and initiated this at the last Passover supper with his disciples. The New Covenant had begun, but it had not yet reached its full fruition. Remember this covenant included the language in the Old Testament book of the prophet Jeremiah. It said this, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This covenant required not only God's law to be written on the hearts of Israel, but also that all Israel would know the Lord. They wouldn't even have to teach each other about God because all of them would know God. Well, in this Messianic kingdom, we finally see this come to pass, as all the house of Israel sees and knows Jesus, their king. Finally, the Davidic covenant, the throne, the dynasty, and the everlasting kingdom. As you know from this jog through, the kingdom of Israel had a very rocky period after David. Eventually, the kingdom split, and they went into exile. And never until very recently in history have we seen ethnic Israel exercise any sovereignty over any area of the land of Canaan. Well, in the Messianic kingdom, we'll finally see the kingdom of Israel ruled by its rightful conquering king, King Jesus, from the lineage of David finally sits in Jerusalem, on David's throne, to rule over an everlasting kingdom, both for this 1,000 years and forevermore. Faith is forward-looking, trusting that God will indeed fulfill the promises that He made. And it's in this millennium, this thousand-year Messianic kingdom, where we see God's great promises of the Bible finally come to fruition. Faith is finally rewarded with sight.
The Messianic kingdom of Jesus will be greater than perhaps we could ever imagine. It will be full of peace for the world, peace in the animal kingdom, peace among nations, and justice and righteousness from Jesus himself sitting on the throne. All will be well for a while. At the end of this wonderful millennium of peace and justice, Satan will be released from his prison to wreak havoc yet again. And with 1,000 years worth of brooding and planning, you can imagine that he will be wanting vengeance for his last defeat. Listen to what happens. When the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the believers in Jerusalem. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire. Satan is able to deceive the nations once again and gather an army of millions. But like a candle that is snuffed out by a little pinch, so this big satanic army will be snuffed out with a fire from heaven. No battle and no bloodshed. They are simply defeated by fire. After this final rebellion, we come to the second resurrection. Remember the first resurrection was started by Jesus and culminated with the resurrection of all believers. Well, this second resurrection is perhaps of a more somber tone. It's a resurrection of those who did not believe in Jesus. A resurrection where each is judged in front of God, who's sitting on a great white throne. Each is judged by his own works, and each is proven not to measure up to the righteousness of God. Listen. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who is seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is an event that no human should want to be a part of. This second resurrection followed by the second death, the final, permanent separation of each one's spirit from God, thrown into the lake of fire, elsewhere described as a place of torment. This is a destination that one cannot escape from, a destination of suffering. As a side note, the fact of this destination is an additional motivation for sharing the good news of Jesus with others. Bible prophecy affects how we act today. And knowing of this lake of fire, knowing the fates of those who are found unrighteous by God, every Christian should redouble his efforts to reach those lost people who haven't put their faith in Jesus, those not yet clothed in the righteousness of God. But this somber event is not the end of the story. No, the end of the story is bliss. Listen to what John witnessed next that he wrote in the book of Revelation. 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And later in the passage he writes, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb, Jesus. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. And also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp nor sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. A garden city with the river of the water of life and the tree of life to eat from again. A new Jerusalem with no temple at its center, but God at its center. An eternal state with God finally reigning over heaven and earth with no more curse, no more death, no more crying, and no more pain. The old earth and heaven has passed away, and the newness has come. For every believer from every generation, righteous Abel, righteous Noah, righteous Abraham, righteous Moses, righteous Joshua, righteous Rahab, righteous David, righteous Josiah, Righteous Daniel, righteous Ezra, righteous Mary, righteous Peter, righteous Paul, righteous James, righteous John. And if you believe in Jesus, righteous you, made righteous by the one and only Savior King, King Jesus. Join us next time for a special episode as we prepare for a walkthrough of the Bible. Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. Have you donated to the Bible Literacy Foundation? We'd love for you to partner with us so that we can expand our reach and grow. Your support means more people will have access to the life-changing story and message of the Bible. The easy way to donate is to click the link in the show notes to this episode. Alternatively, you can go to our website, BibleLiteracyFoundation.com, and click Donate. Thank you for making this show possible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022